Grace, mercy, and peace are yours this day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, in those days Mary arose and went with haste into Judah to stay with her aunt for like three months. Those days, being the days right after her parents found out she was pregnant. I'm not saying for sure that she got kicked out of the house for being pregnant, but not married, while all the while insisting this was totally God's will and it's fine. But she went with haste. That means something. Like, she couldn't stay where she was. I mean, I can't say for sure, but as somebody who has been thrown out of the house, I can tell you what it's like to have to depart with haste. To have to walk into Walgreens wondering whether or not it's worth too much money to buy the toothpaste you forgot. To sneak into the dorm room that's supposed to be closed for Christmas and keep the lights off the whole night so security doesn't see you there. With haste, is not a fun word. I personally don't think her folks believed her. Because we know that it took a whole divine miracle for Joseph to. An angel had to actually visit him and tell him very explicitly what had happened so that he would trust her. And we know that happened sometime after Mary left with haste for her aunt's house and before the birth of her Lord, it might be the reason that she had to stay with Elizabeth for three months. Like maybe it took that long for Joseph's word to reach her, that she was safe. It's one of those details that usually gets swept under the rug when this story is told to us by children wearing bathrobes in Christmas programs. But even before those were invented, the mother of God is always portrayed as being so serene, so at peace with what's going on. You were look her over there. She's just chilling behind the piano, not a care in the world. It's kind of my point about the whole story. Blessed is she among women. She is the mother of God, held in higher regard than any but she is blessed by God with shame and suffering and loss. Words we don't like to associate with blessings, but words the scriptures are all too comfortable tying together with the term. What Mary faces now will only compound. Simeon warns her. A sword will pierce through her own soul also as she watches her firstborn son be crucified. So today Mary departs with haste into the hill country, though. She needs to stay with her aunt for a little while. And she is ashamed. And she is afraid. And she is alone. She departs in haste. But Elizabeth greets her in the hope of the Lord. She doesn't talk about the fears of the day. She doesn't reassure Mary about the names 
that she'll be called. She speaks out loud the promises that Mary has already heard from an angel, but needs to hear again. She confirms angelic promises in human voice, and that matters sometimes. We know the scriptures. You have seen the pageant. You have seen the bathrobes. You know the story. But the greatest things that happen in church are not necessarily you learning something new week to week, but it is to hear that very same promise that you heard before from somebody who actually believes it. It is a gift to hear the gospel. It is a gift that Mary is regarded not according to what people would think of her, but according to what the Lord would say. Blessed are you among women. And John the Baptist starts to dance in the womb. And Mary starts to sing. It is an Old Testament group of hymns of women who longed for things, knit together by the Holy Spirit. It is the Magnificat. It is a hymn that people would degrade by talking about it in terms of fairness. The rich get no more, but the hungry are filled. The mighty are cast down, but the humiliated are lifted up. And we grab hold of it and figure this must be about equality and justice. And that always sounds real good as long as you don't pay too close attention to who the gal is who's singing it. Because she doesn't get any of those things. Not really ever. The serenity that you see as we portray Mary, it's not a secret knowledge of karma. It's not about what's fair. Her life will not follow the path of Hallmark movies. But she sings in the peace of the Lord a hymn that is about help for those who are suffering under the bondage of sin, both the sins that we have committed and the ones committed against us. Mary sings with all of the hope that she is portrayed in having chillin' behind the piano. Because God sees her. He regards her, even in her humiliation. He looks upon the humble estate of his servant. He has regard for her, because he sees it all. The things that she will be called, the jokes that will be made, about inventing a religion just because she didn't want to tell her fiancé the truth, the things she'll have to watch and endure. And he has mercy on her, who fears the Lord. This hymn is worth singing by the mother of God, not because she gets the Hallmark movie, but because God has so much mercy for her that he will not simply limit his help to the things the world will sing praises about. Because here's the thing, if the lowly are lifted up and those of high estate are brought down, won't the pendulum just swing the other way the next time the hymn is sung? Like really, if all the people who stuff that you covet get knocked down and you get all their stuff, what happens when they sing the hymn against you? Back and forth we go. So instead, he becomes the root himself of this hymn. Our Lord will place himself into the words of this hymn. He is brought down out of his heavenly throne. He is the one robbed of all pride. He is the one cast out that you would be brought in. Our Lord, even now a fetus in the stomach of Mary, enters the world, leaving behind the glories of God and all of its riches to become humiliated, mocked, 
brutalized upon a cross for sinners. He advents, he shows up to suffer for Mary and for you so that the hope of the Magnificat could be in something greater than the fairness of the law, but in the mercy of the gospel, in the hope that God regards us. For he who has entered creation would not simply set aright the things that we would break so that we can break them again. He comes to suffer their wrath. He comes to suffer their injustice. He comes to suffer their wrong. He comes to suffer for sins. He comes to suffer for you. He bleeds and dies upon this cross. Your sins are forgiven you. He bleeds and dies upon this cross. And here he takes your shame. He takes your humiliation. He is the one who is laughed at so that you might have an identity in more than what the world would speak of you. You are the ones that God loves so much that he would bear this for. You are the ones so precious to him that he would bleed for. You are the ones worth all of the price of heaven itself for he would leave the heavens just to bring you back there. You are precious beyond sight in the Lord. You are worthy of love. And you are worthy of every honor for which the angels sing. Because here, the Lord makes you his equal. He joins you in suffering and brings you up with him in exaltation. He joins you in death that you would join him in resurrection. This is what Mary sings about. Because here, her shame, her sorrows, they are removed. She is blessed to be close to the Lord, who saves her from the things that would weigh her down. And he does so not by teaching her how to escape them, not by giving her the strength from within to conquer them, but by bearing them for her. So Mary teaches you her hymn, because the Lord does the same for you. Here we gather to sing of divine promises echoed in human voices. Here we gather, so many of us bearing secret shame and loneliness and pain. Here we come alone and afraid, and we hear preaching, We hear hymns. We hear a promise that we already knew but needed to hear again. Because even though sometimes it does not feel like it, it is a joy to know and to hear that God has regard for you, that God has not abandoned you nor forsaken you, that God cannot forget you, but has already worked to redeem you, to give you honor, to give you love. In our lowest and most embarrassing moments, the ones that we wish that we could just wipe from all memory. In our very most frustrating of times and in our most painful days, when help seems so far away that the word loses all meaning, our souls magnify the Lord too. Because even now while we wait, our Lord regards us in mercy. He advents. He shows up to help and to comfort and to save. And so here we wait together and we sing. In the name of Jesus, amen.